They say everyone has a book inside them, but not everyone gets that book out of their head and onto the page. There's so much to consider. Plot, characters, prose, and that's before we even get to publishing. If you're a new storyteller who's feeling a little out of their depth, you're in the right place. This is the podcast that wipes away the overwhelm for newbie writers by taking it one piece at a time. So pick up your pen and get ready to have fun. Let's start writing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Start Writing. I'm your host, author, editor, and book coach, Connie B. Dowell. And today is a lovely false spring day. I say false because it is still February. The spring will come back, but it's such a lovely day that you may actually hear a little bit of bird song in the background of this episode because I might not have been able to resist the temptation to keep the window open. Um, It's just so lovely out there. So today we're focusing on point of view and the possibly baffling term, head hopping. Now, head hopping is something that you will eventually encounter in your writing career. Um, You will eventually hear that term. And if you're newer to writing, it can sound a little bit weird. Head hopping. How do you hop heads? But it is an important concept to grasp um, what people mean when they say head hopping, why head hopping is something usually to be avoided. So, but it, it's also crucial to, before we get to head hopping, to step back and look at point of view more generally, because head hopping is a point of view issue. So as you may have learned in English class in school, you can have many different points of view in a story. So there's first person point of view. First person point of view is when you use the words I or we. Um, So you are the first person or you plural are the first person. Now stories are typically not told in first person plural. We did this, we did that just constantly. Typically when you, you are reading a story told in first person, it's lots of I. You have one main character, I, telling this story and Of course, they will use the word we as it comes up necessary to the story, but I is the dominant pronoun for telling this story. So if your character is actually the narrator themselves, I, using I, it's a first person story. Next, you have second person. Second person is you. Um, And stories are, it's very uncommon to have a second person as storytelling method, um, where you're basically making the reader, the main character, you do this, you do that. But some literary fiction novels do this. Um, it's, it's a really, it's an experimental and avant-garde sort of a, a position to take and probably not the best first choice for a new writer. Uh, it's really uncommon to see. But it's actually really common when you think about writing for video games, where, yes, that really is how the story is told and written. So video game writing 
truly is second person. Then you have third person point of view. Third person uses he or she and the character's name. So you're following your main character, but the main character themselves aren't the narrator. Um, so that is probably one of the most common points of view. First person and third person are usually what you're going to see if you pick up a novel. But within third person point of view, there are nuances. There's what's called third person limited, which means you follow one character throughout, perhaps throughout the entire story, perhaps just in one chapter or just in one scene, but you are limited to that person's thoughts. You can't under, you don't have the outside perspectives of other characters. You only know what that character, what that one main character whom you are following, what they are perceiving. You can only understand the story through their eyes. That's third person limited. Then there's third person omniscient. Omniscient point of view is the point of view as though it's basically as though you can perceive you you're all knowing. It's like a deity who can understand um, and read the thoughts of every character in the story. So you get the thoughts of the main character whom you're following. You can also get the thoughts of the characters they're interacting with. And obviously that's not what the main character can perceive, but it's what the narrator can perceive and can tell to the reader. So that is a very tricky point of view to work with. Definitely not one I would recommend as a first time writer. It takes a really deft hand to do omniscient really well. And omniscient points of view have also gotten well out of favor for genre fiction, for commercial fiction in particular. So while you might read a number of classic novels that are written and that are well-written in omniscient point of view, and you might read something um, that's very well done and very avant-garde written in an omniscient point of view today. If you are writing commercial fiction, if you're writing genre fiction, you probably want to avoid omniscient point of view. Um, omniscient point of view is, it's difficult to do well because you're balancing a lot of different perspectives and picking and choosing what to show the reader when. Um, but it's, it's also something that readers are not super accustomed to. Readers would be asked to hop, they're being asked essentially to hop from character to character, perspective for perspective. And if not done well, it can feel really haphazard. And it can go into the territory of what we call head hopping. So head hopping is when we enter a scene, the reader is following a character along in third person, limited point of view. We're following this character. We're in their head as though we have sort of slipped on their skin and we're traveling with them. And we're in that perspective throughout the scene. And then suddenly we're in somebody else's perspective. 
So head hopping is essentially when an omni or a writer slips from third person limited to third person omniscient, sometimes accidentally, um, or just a little bit, a little bit clunkily. They slip into it rather than making it an intentional choice. And so it feels really awkward. And we start to think, wait a minute, how can this character read this other character's thoughts? This doesn't make sense. Um, so when you get critiques uh, from a writing group or from a workshop and people start to mention head hopping, that's what they're talking about, that you're slipping from limited to omniscient points of view that you're not being consistent in your point of view. And it can be a little jarring for the reader. So it's really important to understand those points of view and get get a grip on them. Um, and it's it's okay. I want to state that if you've written something and you, you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh no, I think I've got head hopping going on. It's a really, really common problem to pop up for newer writers. So what you've done isn't, isn't far out of the norm. This isn't uncommon, uh, but it's a really, really common beginning issue and it's imminently fixable. Writing is rewriting. So all you have to do is to identify those pieces of head hopping and go back and fix it and stick to one point of view choice. Now, you may be wondering, you may be thinking, oh, but I just read X commercial genre fiction novel, and we had one chapter following this character and the next chapter following this character, or one scene following this character, and then the next scene following this character. How did they get away with that? Well, that is different from head hopping because head hopping is where we're, we're switching perspective mid scene and there's doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to it. And so it starts to lose the reader. Um, instead, if you want to show multiple people's perspectives, and this is something that is really fun to do as a writer, you, you have to have a point at which that perspective naturally shifts. And so that means you might choose to write an entire chapter from one character's perspective and then shift perspectives in the next chapter, switch to a new character. Or you might do that by scene. One scene with one character, another scene with another character. Now, if you are writing multiple points of view, it's really important to get across the voice of the character and let even let you can even let that creep into your narrator voice and you should let that creep into your narrator voice um, and make each character's portion sound really distinct because what you don't want to have happen is for the reader to be reading along in, in one chapter or one scene and then reading the next one and getting confused about whose head they're in. So there you really want to make those characters sound and feel distinct. And I think even though it's a 
a little bit clunky perhaps on the page. I think readers do benefit from when there is a character shift to put the character's name at the top of the page. Um, so you've got chapter one, let's say character um, is Amy. And then we switch from Amy's point of view to David's point of view. So as soon as the, narr the narration switches, either in a new chapter or a new scene, just have it as a, a scene break heading. Amy, David. And so now we've switched points of view. And the reader knows right away. Um, even if you're, you know, even if your voices are really distinct, I think this is still helpful because a lot of people do skim rather than read deeply. And those visual cues are helpful for people to keep up with whose perspective they're in. Um, so that's my two cents on that. And even I would tangentially um, say that this is also the reason why I include dates at the top when I write historical fiction. People want to know when it sets, um, even when the setting becomes even when, you know, the writing makes it really clear this is set in a different time than modern times, uh, it just really sets the stage for the reader and especially for the skimming reader. And it's something, I, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here, but it's something that's actually like bothered me as someone who likes to figure out exactly when things are happening. Um, when I read a book that is set in the past, but they haven't given a date. And so I'm reading along and I'm going, I think this is 19th century as the 1890s. Or are we talking 1830s? What's going on? Um, so that's, again, the extra little bonus piece in there. So these little headings, they can, you know, they can feel sometimes to newer writers like, this is clunky. Why should I just put it out there? Um, but I do think it is really helpful for readers, um, especially for readers who skim. All right. So that is some of the basics about point of view, about um, making things clear for the reader. Now you could get into more nuances on point of view, but this is a good primer to get you started. So that is all for this week. Now, uh, as a reminder, uh, I mentioned last week, I have an upcoming webinar about jump, called Jump the First Hurdle of Self-Publishing about a lot of the rookie mistakes that I see new self-publishing authors make and some of the ones that I made myself when I was new. So if you are getting ready to take that step or maybe just looking ahead, then join us March the 3rd, 7 p.m. Eastern, and there will be a replay if you're not able to make that time. So go ahead and register to join us either at the, at the date or to watch the replay later. Link in the show notes. All right, until next week, happy writing. <laughs>